AEC Business, the construction industry's innovation and technology show. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my guest is Gerald Kane, professor and author. I invited Jerry because of his book, The Technology Fallacy, which is uh, very interesting and inspiring and a good read for every construction executive. Jerry, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I introduced you very briefly. So can you tell us a bit more about your background and what you do? Yes. Um, so I, for 15 years, I was a professor at Boston College. Um, I was also a um, guest editor for uh, digital business at MIT Sloan Management Review. And just over the last year, I have transitioned to a new position as uh, the Terry Chair at the University of Georgia, which is where I grew up. So it's nice to be to be back home again. But I'm still doing the same stuff, researching how mainly legacy companies are adapting to a digital world across all sorts of industries, from construction to financial services to healthcare to auto, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you're a perfect fit uh, <laughs> to talk about the, this day's topic, which is uh, digital transformation. Uh, so we are talking about a digital transformation in the construction industry. Uh, I'd like you I'd like to hear your thoughts on the concept or term transformation and why it might be a problematic term to communicate about what's going on. Yes. Um, so I actually have written two books. Uh, one is The Technology Fallacy, How People Are the Real Key to the Digital Transformation. And the second one uh, is The Transformation Myth, Leading Your Organization Through Uncertain Times, where we really looked at how companies were adapting to COVID. Uh, and there are actually some very strong similarities between digital transformation and what many companies were dealing with during that the two years between you know March 2020 and you know summer of 2022. Um, and I, I, I joke that I say the two books uncover the two lies of digital transformation. The first lie is what we deal with in the first book, and that is the digital transformation always involves technology. Um, vendors will love to tell you that, that digital transformation is putting in a new tool um, to do, putting in a new tool, period. And in fact, if you look at many of the definitions online, that's what they say. It's about driving business through using new technologies. Um, and I would argue that's, it's there because the vendors want it to be there. I actually argue digital transformation is making your business adaptable and, 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 and workable in a digital world, which may or may not involve technology at all. Um, we have many examples where it's about organizational change, it's about leadership change, it's about talent change, it's about structural change. And, and many of the most successful initiatives don't actually involve implementing new technology at all. And I would also argue if you only only implement the new technology and don't make these other changes, your business is not going to be ready for a digital world. The second myth is what we uncover in the transformation myth. And that is this misconception that transformation is a one or done 
um, proposition. In fact, what we saw in researching COVID um, and how companies were responding to that disruption, in fact, what we were dealing with was multiple disruptions on top of each other. It was COVID. It was racial injustice marches in the United States. It was ongoing climate change. It was supply chain disruptions. It was you know now Russia and Ukraine. It was all of this stuff piled on top of each other. And what we say in the transformation myth is it's you're fooling yourself if you think you can transform and then you're going to be done that ongoing change is and turbulence environmental turbulence is the nature of business these days and building an organization that can adapt to those changes is really the key to transformation it's not about a one-time change so those are the two lies of digital transformation it's about technology and it, it involves a one-time transformation instead of continual adapting Yes, you you mentioned COVID already, uh, so everybody agrees that it has been a disruptive event for it. Uh, also, in the construction industry, it has accelerated the adoption of digital technologies like virtual conferencing, remote monitoring of sites, automated safety apps, and so on. Um, it makes you think whether company leaders who want to speed up their technology uptake should actually create a crisis. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far um, because Lord knows I wouldn't want to go back um, to the last two years. But there is the old saying is never waste a good crisis. Um, and as I was interviewing people for the second book, many of our the digital leaders we talked to spoke about COVID in very positive terms, not in terms of what they were dealing with personally, et cetera, et cetera. But from a business perspective, they were able to move through changes that they had been advocating for a decade uh, in a very short period of time with very little resistance. And so it was around, you know, some people said, this is the best time of my career. This is what my team and I have been waiting for our entire lives. It didn't change anything. It just accelerated what we already had in place. But I would, the, the caveat I would say is to assume that these changes are going to stay. I think there is now, we're dealing with COVID exhaustion and disruption exhaustion. And there's a lot of people, particularly senior leaders, who just want to go back to the way things were, where it was comfortable, where it was familiar. Um, and I would argue that now the real temptation is to go back to 2019. And the successful companies are going to resist that temptation. And the successful leaders are going to resist that temptation and move their organization forward into a world that combines the best of both. Take what we learned during COVID and the innovations, take what was better when we didn't have to, when we weren't forced into it and bring those together into a, a, a new workplace that's better than either one of them. I think that's really the challenge uh, that many executives are dealing with right now. Um, yes, and um, when we are talking about digitalization in the construction industry, it's mainly about um, productivity, many research projects and, and initiatives uh, uh, circle around productivity. Um, so the focus is on, on efficiency, but in your book you question, you, you question whether that is the best strategy. Can you elaborate on that argument? Yeah, and so the argument that for efficiency is always the first thing uh, that organizations go over, because that's really the low-hanging fruit. The challenge is you can only pursue efficiency so far before you begin to sacrifice quality, before you begin to sacrifice reliability, before you begin to sacrifice, 
you know, labor standards, et cetera, et cetera. So efficiency is that you're, you're you can only still cut so much fat before you start cutting into muscle and bone. Um, we argue, and in fact, there's there's quite a bit of research that says where the real gains happen is when you transform, uh, it, and, and meaning that you fundamentally do business differently. It's not a 10% reduction in efficiency or, or increase in efficiency. It's not a 20% increase in efficiency. It's a tenfold. It's a hundredfold. And, or it's about fundamentally shifting the business model, how you pay for it. You know, one executive we talked to is how you pay for digital transformation is one of the, the real big challenges because where do you, where does the money come from? How do you justify it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I would argue if you can make some of those changes and we're, for instance, and this would affect uh, construction. I was speaking to the um, chief digital officer at Hitachi Ventara manufacturing company. Um, and he said where the real benefits are coming from them is putting sensors into heavy equipment. And he said, once you do that, um, you can change the heavy equipment from a capital expense to an operating expense. Uh, and that changes your entire financial um, uh, calculus. If you don't have to buy a heavy machine that costs $500,000, a million dollars, and you can only rent it for the time that you need, whether he was talking about an air compressor, but I've also been to heavy equipment manufacturers um, that were talking about like, what if our job isn't to sell track, you know, tractors or bulldozers? What if it's about helping our customer get dirt from point A to point B? And those type of changes change the entire business calculus of everything. And um, it's those types of changes where the real transformation happens, not just doing this things the same way we've always done, just 10 or 20% faster. So it's, you're really looking for those transformational innovations that fundamentally change the way business is done. In the first book that we uh, discussed, you talk about digital maturity. And mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting concept and, and very, uh, very essential uh, to, to, the, uh, to the book. Can you explain what digital maturity is and how companies could use it? Yeah, and so it's really this concept of having your company be, um, be able to operate in an effective way in a digital world. And again, we, we use the term maturity for a number of reasons. Um, one, the fact that it's a natural evolution that you're not going to like do people don't mature overnight. It's a long 10 year process, 20 year process. Um, and it's not that a toddler you know, that shouldn't be gradual change shouldn't be mistaken for fun, not doing fundamental change. A toddler, you know, I'm a parent, a toddler is very different than a teenager. Um, you get there in, in fits and spurts. And when you look back at pictures, you can see how different things are, but you don't notice it as it ha it's happening. It is a natural process, but it doesn't happen automatically. You have growth milestones. You have maturity milestones where new things are expected of the child, just like new things are expected of the company as you move into stages of digital maturity. And then the last thing we like about it um, is that maturity is never done. Nobody says, ah, I've reached maturity um, because we're continuing to age, we're continuing to get older. And something that somebody did at 30 is not appropriate for what you're doing at 40 and not appropriate for what you're doing at 50 and so on. Likewise, 
um, digital transformation is never going to stop unless you think technological evolution is somehow going to reverse its 50, 60, 70 year trend. And all of a sudden, okay, now we are at steady state. Chips are going to keep getting smaller and more powerful. We're going to keep coming up with new innovations for them. Networking speeds are going to get better. Storage is going to get better. All of these things change what's capable. Um, and that's notwithstanding sort of a, a, a sea change of quantum computing or major fundamental Irish cloud computing is one of those major fundamental shifts that we're in the midst of that that is in, in the process of changing what's possible um and, and i do think COVID has brought a lot of that out so i like maturity because it's you're continually adapting and making your business appropriate to the environment you're in um it's not sort of a one and done and then the last thing is um you know you don't always know have to know what you're transforming yourself into when you start you know if i asked my son what he wanted to be when he was four he would have said a cowboy on a choo-choo train you know and that's very different than what he wants to be at 16 which is a star wrestler um and mit engineer and who knows what it's going to be in, in 10 years but the point is he continually updates his approach to life based on new evidence, new uh, situations and new capabilities. And that's what organizations need to do. Update their strategies, update their operating system, update their organizational culture to account for the new capabilities that are possible and the new expectations um, of companies in the environment. Yeah, I, I like your analogy. <laughs> really good. And, and also, um, the highest level of maturity is not mature. It's maturing in your scale, on, on your scale. Yes, be, because it's a moving target, right? You know, yeah, if you yeah. are mature as of 2020, that's a very different definition of maturity at 2022. Admittedly, we've gone through a lot um, in the past two years, but it keeps changing, um, and and it's a moving it's a moving target. And only by continuing to grow, adapting a growth, adopting a growth mindset, and recognizing that we're on this for the long haul journey. Um, our company is going to be able to continue to adapt. Construction is perhaps the most ne networked industry. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's also one of the reasons why we have <laughs> many problems, because we are a very, uh, very uh, project-based industry. We have different players almost on every project. Mm -hmm. um, but do you have any ideas about how in, in this kind of environment, for example, a general contractor hiring and collaborating with trade contractors could get full benefit of digitalization. It's not just their company, it's working with so many other partners. Yeah, um, so I think there's a, a couple of possible strategies there. One is what I would call the Walmart or the 600 pound gorilla strategy is a major industry player says, this is the way we're going to do business. And if you're going to do business with us, you have to adopt these technological standards. Um, I, I don't know enough about construction to know whether there's a Walmart size player that's ready to do that and just say, and, and has that sort of market influence. The other way to go about things that I've seen a lot is much more of a platform approach where everybody begins to, where a single technology, and really this becomes a cloud-based technology, begins to become adopted by a majority or or a, or a decent sized plurality of the industry uh and then what happens is 
and this is what I've, I've seen this in the restaurant industry, for instance, I interviewed the CEO of a company called Olo um, that runs a lot of the point of sale software uh, for companies. And what was interesting about them is during COVID, they both had an in-person uh, uh, product and then a delivery product. And they had to shift overnight almost 100% to delivery product. And what they were then able to do is look at their customers and look at who is having success with their product and how, and then share that knowledge with other people in their ecosystem. And so this, this in fact, the, the CEO said they're sort of the consigliere, if you go back to, um, you know, uh, Godfather and Mafia type, uh, they're, the, they're the advisor um, that helps these companies know what's possible and helps make that possible, that they're just elevating it. He said, I felt like the entire industry was on my back uh, going through this, that it was our problem to solve for everybody. And so if you have some cloud players that move into the industry, and I, I'm certain there's somebody out there in, in construction doing something cloud-based, that you create partnerships that can create this ecosystem of providers, that's how you transform an entire industry. And, and it's possible today in ways it wasn't possible 10 years ago, before say, uh, ServiceNow or before Salesforce or before these other cloud providers really created proof of concept that this can work. Um, and it, it, it becomes financially feasible. And in fact, you don't want to be doing this. You don't want to be doing managing your own technology as a construction company because there are much better people out there to do it. And you just need to find the, the right partners. And once you find the right cloud partners and the right tech partners, then is when uh, the industry starts to transform. Because we're talking about digitalization and, and digital maturity, um, do we need special digital leadership and strategy to manage the change uh, from old to new? Yes and no. Um, so what I often say, so the short answer one is yes. If your leadership has not updated its digital skills and knowledge, I would argue since 2019, just because you know, I used to say five years, but I think it's accelerated now. If you haven't done any a continuing education, any offsites, any um, strategic session about what's possible with your technology and your industry and what's happening with your senior leadership, it, you need to because the technology needs have changed. And I was talking to um, the CEO, former CEO of um, Four Seasons Hotel Group, um, and she said, Nowadays, you can't have a marketing strategy without having a digital strategy. You can't have an HR strategy without having a digital strategy. The two are now so intertwined that if you don't know what's possible out there, um, you can't possibly um, be an effective strategic leader. The good news there is I would argue that it's much easier for me to teach executive leaders, the tech knowledge they need to be an effective leader than it is to teach the digital people um, the, the, uh, the strategic knowledge they need to lead. So I do think being an effective digital leader is within the grasp of most executives because I don't think consultants want you to think this stuff is rocket science. So you pay them large sums of money um, to come in and do it for you. I argue that most executives can learn 80%, 80 to 90% of what they want to, they, they need to know relatively easily. Now, 
for that extra 10 to 20%, you probably do need a genuine expert. And whether that's a consulting firm or whether that is someone you hire to come in and they call those anchor hires, whether it's somebody from a tech company, whether it's somebody from um, a vendor, et cetera, et cetera, to come spearhead really the operational side, the nuts and bolts, the stuff that does take genuine expertise. Um, And we've seen that happen across multiple industries Uh, in fintech, the John Hancock, the global financial services company, hired the former president of Digitas, um, which was a a digital agency, to come be their their chief marketing officer because they didn't have the the hardcore technology they needed. And she brought over a team that helped digitize the entire uh, amount. So I would say 80% to 90% is stuff that most executives can learn by just taking the time and engaging an, an external expert or an educational person or whatever. And then um, 10 to 20%, you probably need an in-house expert that's going to help you actually sort of make sure you don't make the, the your colossal implementation or operational mistakes. Yes, and uh, there's also the question of legacy systems that we have in, in our companies. And, and th- those also have to be considered when you're doing any kind of uh, transformation. And I think that's one of the issues that senior managers uh, are really unsure about, what, what to do mm-hmm. with, with, with what we already have in place, which might be outdated by mm-hmm. modern standards. So um, th- th- that's one place where you need some technical expertise, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, what's really interesting, I, I call the legacy systems you know, both a a curse and a benefit, you know, is they do certainly slow things down um, until you get to the point where they just, they are insufficient anymore. And I've I've dealt with several of those companies in utilities and some others where they just said, our legacy systems cannot deal with the pace of business anymore. And we must make it, this is a existential crisis for us. And it, nothing, there's nothing like burning the boats to make digital transformation successful. And in some ways, that's the motivation you need to leapfrog into, you know, uh, I talked about digital maturity being sort of a gradual process, but sometimes the technological part of that is a quantum leap where you take these ancient systems um, and you leapfrog 50 years or 25 years into the future. Uh, because you just make that change and that opens up so many more capabilities and possibilities. It doesn't change the need for transformation. It just means that you have more transformational options available to you at that point. Um, and, and it's once those legacy systems begin insufficient, it's a powerful motivation for change. Well, you already touched on the speed of uh, technological uh, development and um, evolution. Um, so it's technology is accelerating uh, exponentially, and we unfortunately mm-hmm. we people we people don't do that. Um, one of the technologies which is very has been very prominent uh, is uh, recently is AI and machine learning. And mm-hmm. for example, uh, everybody knows by now, I, I guess Chat Cheap. GPT, uh, yeah, with one million users in one five days. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, how substantial or disruptive do you think is the progress of AI, and how should companies, for example, like architects and engineers, prepare for the future 
where AI is present in every aspect of our working lives. Yeah, and, and I'm wrestling with that right now um, because it's like, okay, with ChatGPT, as a college professor, what do I need to do um, to make sure my students don't cheat? Um, and so I began to do some research. And like many things technologically oriented, um, I find well, I found ChatGPT to be uh, really remarkable in what it was capable of. I also found it pretty easy for me to tell when students were cheating uh, or or it would have been because it comes with, with very convincing text and then you click on one of the links and it just doesn't work. You know, it's it, it fabricates links to make it look at the surface like it's possible. You scratch a little bit past the surface um, and so and, and you see. So all I say with that is as a, an executive leader, always be a little bit aware of hype because press loves to hype things up that this is, you know, a game changer. Um, and I, AI is absolutely a game changer. Chat GPT is not going to put everybody out of business tomorrow. Um, it is a remarkable tool. And it's at least from what I can see right now, somewhat limited in its function, once you know what to look for. Um, just like, you know, a lot of deep fakes when you begin deep fakes, which are your fake videos generated uh, by AI, once you learn to look for the telltale signs, it becomes easier to spot them. That said, uh, beware of hype. I don't think AI in the long term is overhyped. But what I do say is um, executives that learn to use, so AI will not replace executives. Executives who use AI will replace executives who don't use AI. And so what I'm trying to figure out in my own classroom, I shifted very quickly from how do I make sure my students don't use ChatGPT for cheating to how do I teach them to use ChatGPT to create a better product than they would have without it? And can I begin to help them harness this to be better students, better writers, and to take the, you know, we, we initially react so negatively that, oh, we're being replaced. Um, and, and this skill that I had is no longer needed. Um, instead of, wow, this is remarkable new capabilities. How do I capitalize on it? How do I become better? Um, and if you look back 100 years ago, at least in the US, the main job career was farming. 40% of people did farming. Now we have the same productivity for with 2% of the workers. Um, and so do you lament that there's no farming jobs anymore? Or do you say, wow, what great productivity? And how do we capitalize on that? There's all sorts of societal issues and safety nets. And how do you help people adapt and blah, 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 blah. So I do think in the 5 to 10 to 20 year time frame, AI is absolutely um, going to transform every industry. I don't think it is overhyped in the long term. And executives would be well served to figure out how do they adapt their careers to a world with AI and how do they capitalize on it? Because, and, and, and uh, a guy named Kevin Kelly, who has a nice TED talk, says, we're going to look 50 years in the future and we're going to say, we didn't even have AI today. We didn't even have the internet today because it's going to be so much more advanced. And he said, the good news is that means you're not too late. Um, and so none of us are too late to sort of learn about these technologies to figure out how we sort of adapt our careers um, in response to them.
So it doesn't turn us into losers. It turns us uh, into superheroes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if we can, if we take the time to to learn how to use these new capabilities to become better people, and it, but using them alone doesn't make you better. It's a double-edged sword. It's a tool. Um, if you learn to use it skillfully, it can be very helpful. If you learn to use it sloppily or for nefarious purposes, it can be very negative. Uh, and I think that will catch up with people as well. Yeah, but uh, as I said, uh, your books are really uh, a good read, and I recommend those. And but how can our listeners find more, find out more about your work and, and contact you? Absolutely, um, I have a fairly active website uh, www.profkane, p-r-o-f-k-a-n-e dot com, and there you have links to both books. You have all the articles and the podcasts, and I hope that once this is live, I'll I'll link that. Um, on my website. The other thing we have really interesting there is in our in our last book, uh, we interviewed executives sort of as they were leading through COVID um, while they were experiencing it. And we couldn't squeeze everything into the book. So we did a series of um, profiles of leadership in the Wall Street Journal, which are all bookmarked on my page as well. And so if you want to contact me, if you want any of the extra materials, if you want to know more about the book, Um, see me in person, et cetera, et cetera. All that is there and would love, encourage you to, to browse through. Again, profkane, P-R-O-F-K-A-N-E dot com. Jerry, uh, thanks for this opportunity to chat with you and happy holidays. And to you, thank you so much for your time. And this has been a great conversation. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast and visit aec-business.com, the award-winning blog, for more news and stories. 